All right, thank you. Hello, everyone. Corey, I did not know, was a, uh, he, he was an ARC church plant, um, but to hear that he, these exact numbers, pretty amazing. Uh, 300, 376, we love you. Uh, way, way to go. How, how long ago was that? Five years ago. Fantastic. Okay, people are still coming in. Uh, we'll we'll uh, jump right into this, I think, uh, today. But I, w- I want to just say how uh, proud I am, how grateful I am to be a part of ARC and uh, associated with, with the guys of ARC and the organization of ARC. Uh, I think I, I've said this before uh, when I've been on the ARC stage, but the thing I love about ARC is that we have a reason and we have a purpose that's really clear. And being a part of a group like this that is planting churches, I can't think of anything that I would, I would want to give to or anything that I would want to support more. How many of you know the church is God's idea? Come on, how, how many of you know that, that we didn't make this up? This is not our plan, this is God's plan. And how many of you know that Jesus right now is building his church? Like, if there's anything that, you, you just can't do anything that is more in line with what Jesus is doing right now than building the church. So it's a joy to be a part of something like this with the vision uh, that it has and the guys who are the founders and brought all of this together. And we've just come along and uh, last few years supported and been a part. But I just want to say in the little, the, the little bit of time I have here that I, I love, I'm not a part of uh, a lot of organizations, but I love the ARC and I love what the ARC does. And my plan is to keep on being a part as long as they will let me be a part. And I would encourage you to do the same. Um, but what I'm going to talk about today is easily one of the top five revelations of my life. And uh, it's had enormous influence and still does on my own personal perspe- perspective uh, in terms of leadership. And I have, uh, I have over and over again had self-talk along these lines over the years, which makes sense as to why I would want to share it like I am through a book uh, by this title as well as Engage You. And so when they asked me to talk on this today, I was thrilled to have another opportunity to just talk about the proving ground. And I want to invite you as you participate and as you get involved a little bit with us today, I just want to invite you to uh, come along on a little bit of a journey that we're going to take in the, in the proving ground. And first of all, I want to begin with the, I want to, I want to just talk about what the proving ground is. The proving ground is a place where new products are formed, new equipment is formed uh, or, or built. It's where new talent and new theories are tested. So the testing is for the proving. The testing is for the proving. The testing is for the proving. Pastor Joel Osteen was talking a little bit today and and using the word testing. We use that word often uh, whenever we are whenever we're talking about the things of God and getting through things. Uh, but I don't know that we really understand why we get tested. 
And I don't know that we really fully grasp the purpose in the testing. Um, and, and so today I want to talk about the fact that the car that you drive, the appliance that you use, the airplane you fly in, uh, even the pilots that fly the airplanes, all of that, are you thankful, is tested before you try to use it. <laughs> in the same way that the, in the same way that the, the airplane is, uh, is tested and the pilot, I mean, you wouldn't want to show up at the gate getting ready to get on an airplane and then make an announcement, hey, everybody, unfortunately, the pilot couldn't make it today. Is there anybody here who's willing to give this a shot? Like, you, you would not want to be on that flight. The reason you get on is because of the what? The proving ground. So, so the test is for the purpose of proving. And in the same way, human beings go through tests to determine who we are and what kind of character we have. And so in a room like this today, people are at different places in your life, and, and uh, there's a lot of questions having to do with you that are on the table right now. Questions like, are you mature? Are you resilient? And I could ask you that, and maybe you would have an answer like, well, yes, I am. I'm really resilient. Are you teachable? Oh, absolutely teachable. But how many of you know it's not enough for us to have an opinion about ourselves, about what we are? And that's why there's this thing, this, this heavenly system that is called the proving ground. How do you handle disappointment? How do you handle seeing other people get promoted? Are you sensitive? Are you sensitive to, uh, to somebody who's trying to coach you? Uh, do you get offended really easily? How much pressure can you handle? So those questions are the reason for this thing that we're talking about today called the proving ground. Testing always precedes promotion. When a product is tested, one of two things happen. First of all, it can fail the test. And if it fails the test, it goes back to the level that it was. It's still going to be a theory. It's not a proven product. It still has some work to do. Are you glad that when you hit, hit the button on the blow dryer, that are you glad that somebody's already put a tag on it and proven that it won't be a blowtorch? Right? When it doesn't pass the test, it goes back, needs some work. Need some development, not going to move forward, not going to put it on the market, won't be on the shelf. That's the first thing that can happen. The second thing that can happen is that it passes the test. Passes the test. And if it passes the test, 
promotion began. So let me read you out of, out of the book of James. James chapter one, verse two. Are you guys ready? Say, I'm ready. ready. Say it again. Bring it on. All right, here's what it says, verse, uh, chapter, chapter one, verse two. Consider it a sheer gift, my friends, whenever tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Because you know, everybody say, I know, that under pressure, under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true color. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature so that you become well-developed, so that you are not deficient in any way. You might, in the King James Version, you might remember or have read, it reads like this, count it all joy, my brothers. Count it all joy. It's crazy to read that, actually, especially when you're really going through one. You're in the middle of a test, and you actually read that. You're like, this is insane. Like, how do you do that? Count it all joy whenever tests and challenges come at you from every side. Let me go on and read the 12th verse. Anyone who meets a testing challenge head on and manages to stick it out is mighty fortunate. For that person loyally in love with God and the reward is life. Everybody shout life. Everybody shout more life. So I want you to notice here that the reward and the benefit, the promotion, is always preceded by testing. Testing always comes before promotion. You don't go to the next grade without a test. You don't get from junior high to high school without a test. You don't get your driver's license without a test. Testing always comes before promotion. And this is why I hope that even today, when I I start to talk about this, I'm hoping, honestly, that you will never look at your problems as just problems. And And I don't know, I don't know who you are necessarily or what you're dealing with right now, but I guarantee you that some of you are struggling with some stuff in your life, and you came to the art conference, and you're trying to figure some things out, having to do with your ministry, having to do with the role that you play. And here's what I hope you'll remember today. When it comes to leadership especially, it behooves us to not see problems as just a problem or conflict as just conflict or pressure as just pressure. And yet we do that automatically, whenever we get in the middle of a, of a pressured situation, it would be so great. I'm reading this scripture, I'm talking about it today, and you're beginning to think about it a little bit like, yeah, that makes sense, I think. Wouldn't it be so great if there was some kind of warning system every time that we were entering into a time of testing? Like a few years ago, I don't even know if it happens anymore right now, but uh, I think it does something similar. But I remember as a kid, when I'm watching television, and the, and the screen would get all colorful, all kinds of lines of colors, you know, and there would be this loud, eerie, Aah! annoying, like you're reaching for the volume, like trying to t- turn the volume down. And, and then it's, it's like this. This is only a test. 
broadcast of the emergency broadcast system, if this had been a real emergency, blah, 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 blah. I've often thought, God, why don't you have something like that? Like, wouldn't it be great if when you're going, you know, you wake up in the morning and all hell breaks loose, if there was just something that, eh, this is not just a problem for the sake of a problem. This is not just a challenge for the sake of a challenge. But this is only a test of the heavenly development system. Like, hang in there. Don't get bent out of shape. Don't, don't, don't get all upset at the person that you have conflict with right now. Maintain your confidence. Guard your heart. Keep your mind right. Stay strong. Because this is only a test. So the proving ground is a place where with a test, every test has this question that has to be answered. And, and I think this is where it really gets real in all of our lives. You remember in school, the test came down to a question? Well, life's the same way. And every test has a question. I, I like us. I think we've got it right now. We can put it on the screen. I want to go to all the tests. There's nine tests, and here's the questions that they ask. The test of small things is can you handle more? The motivation test wants to know are you doing the right thing for the right reason? You see those credibility tests? Can others count on you and trust you? We got nine of them here. Authority test, warfare test. Somebody say it's only a test. Say it again, it's only a test. The offense test, are you going to let circumstances and situations in life offend you? <laughs> the test of time. What happens with time? Pastor, I've been at this for five years now. Do you get bitter? Or do you get better? Hmm. Questions. 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 And what's happening, guys, is that heaven uses opportunities in all of our lives where, where something is put on the table and we're all in a position and there's a question waiting to be answered. We're just going through the day. We're just getting through the week. We're just doing stuff as usual. But there's this question. And if you don't, if you don't quite believe what, what I'm saying, let, let me show you in Scripture. Let, let, let me show you something where, where Jesus looked up in John chapter 6, verse 5, and he saw a great crowd coming towards him. And he says to Philip, Philip, where are we going to buy bread for all these people? And then look at verse 6. He asked this only to what? To? He asked this only to what? To test him, for he already had in mind what he's going to do. 
So Jesus didn't ask Philip the, the, the question because he didn't know the answer. He already knew what he was going to do. Questions. 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 We went to the Northwest when my wife and I went when I was, um, I was 26 years old. We went from the Midwest. I'm a second-generation pastor. And uh, it was assumed that I would take my father's church. God had other ideas. I ended up in the Seattle land area. And that's where I began this, this whole journey of ministry and calling. And, you know, I had, I had been in support ministry, uh, but I never had to feel the brunt of the moment like I did when we went to the Northwest. Few people and uh, no money and living in a little apartment, 800 square foot apartment, not just our family, but the family that I talked into going with us. And we only had, we only had broken down furniture and mattresses laid out on, on the floor. And that's where I began. I, I, I don't know where you began to feel the brunt of questions, but I can assure you, when you step out in ministry, there are questions waiting to be answered. And I don't know if it was when you took the position that your pastor offered to you. Some of you might even be on volunteer teams and you're here today. There's questions. The moment you begin in ministry, there are questions waiting to be answered. Jesus looks at Philip and says, what are we going to do? What, what, what are we going to do with this crowd? They're coming and he asked it only to test him because he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, if you read that in the King James Version, he says, and this he said to prove him. Proving ground. Proving ground. For he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered, look at Philip's answer. Philip says, it would take more than half a year, like it would cost a whole lot of money to buy Enough bread for each one to have even a bite. I want to ask you today, what do you think of Philip's answer? What do you think? Is it unreasonable? I don't think so. I think it's reasonable. But you know what? Even though it's reasonable, it's not helpful. And it wasn't beneficial. It was rational, but it wasn't benefiting anybody. And then there was another disciple. His name's Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he speaks up and he says, Hey guys, here's a boy with five small loaves and two small fish. How far will they go among so many? Now here's my thought about this, guys. Andrew doesn't have it figured out, but he's suggesting that they do something. 
He's suggesting that they start where they are. Philip's like, send them home. We don't have the money to handle it. Andrew's like, well, Jesus didn't seem to like that response. So there's a boy here, right? And there's a little something, but I don't even know if that really, I don't know what to do with that. But that was what Jesus was looking for. Because his answer carried with it a measure of faith. And his answer carried with it a willingness to just engage the possibility. And that's what heaven was looking for. And I can assure you today that whatever God has in mind for you right now, there are questions that he is putting in front of you for you to answer. Not, not, not for your pastor to answer, not for another staff member to answer. There are questions in front of you. Can you handle more? Like if I give you more, can you handle more? If somebody says the, the wrong thing to you, are you going to get all bent out of shape? Are you going to be easily offended? Like, are, are, are you going to be the one who, when somebody doesn't do things exactly like you want them to do it? Like, are, are you the one who is going to change what you're doing? You're going to get an attitude, or are you the one who's going to say it's only a test? Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get bigger right now. I'm going to get stronger right now. This is only a test of the heavenly development system. And, the, and in heaven, like heaven, these kind of situations are, are put in front of me just to see how I respond to it. Because there's a question that has to be answered. Am I helping anybody? I'm about to get, I'm about to get excited a little bit. By the way, there's some, if you're, if you, we're going to have some questions. I, maybe. I think I'll have time. And mics are going to be up here. But if you think of something, um, I'm telling you this so you can write it down. And in a few minutes, we'll, uh, we'll open up the floor, maybe have some dialogue on this. Um, but there's not a person in here. You're, here. Here's an announcement. Whether it's encouraging or not, I want to tell you that you're, you're, you're either in a test right now or you just came through a test or <laughs> you are on your way starting tomorrow, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because this is how God develops us. I said, this is how God develops us. I said, this is how God develops us. And buildings like this don't just happen without servants being tested. These chairs you sit in, they don't just appear without a man, without a woman, without somebody who gets through the questions and answers the questions right. God wants to do something great in your life. And God wants to do something big. I, I love every time I hear Pastor Joel Osteen um, talk in this kind of setting. I've heard him a few times now. And I love his heart. And I don't know if today might have been the first time that you've had that opportunity to hear him. But I, I, I love his heart. Because when he starts to talk, and he talks about 17 years of being faithful and, and, and trying to make his dad, help his dad look good. 17 years every day working the camera, every weekend putting on a tie 
Like, I, it, it takes me back to understand what I'm talking to you about today. It, he that is faithful in that which is least, Jesus said, is also faithful in much. It's the test of small things. I said it's a test of small things. Like, like if, if, if your pastor gives you a small group and it starts off with 12 and you grow it to four, like, what, why, would he, why, why would he give you and make you the youth pastor over the 42 kids? It's the test of small things. And there's always, there's always some questions that are on the table to be answered. And my hope is just that uh, as I talk to you about it today, just that you will, you will see what I'm giving you the way that it's framed up in the Bible as a gift, as a gift. Like if, I can, if we can change our paradigm when we're going through something, maybe there's not an alarm going to, not, not maybe, there is no alarm like going on. But maybe there can be something starting right now after this app session in your own mind to where you can flip the switch and say, wait a minute, this problem is not just a problem. This challenge is not just a challenge. There's something bigger at stake that's going on right now. This is a proving ground in my life. I may not feel like doing what God is asking me to do, but this is a test of the heavenly development system. I may not feel like apologizing for something that I said, but this is a test. Somebody say it's only a test of the heavenly development System. So let me talk a little bit about these in particular. And uh, my clock, I don't have. I want to make sure I respect. You help me out with that? Give me 10, 15, something. Okay. What, that one there? Okay. Perfect. So everybody say small things. Can you handle more? It's not how heavy the load is. It's how you carry it. And God knows that for all of us, how much we can, how much we can handle. And sometimes what is actually, you start off with being small. Everybody who's done any working out or bodybuilding, you know that when you start off with 15 or 20 pounds, it's like, at least for a guy, maybe it's less with a gal, but it's like, man, you do a few reps with that and you're tired. But if you do it a few times, then you can handle more, right? And so it's not, it's not, oftentimes how heavy something is. Like God knows that some of you have a whole lot more potential right now in, in, your, in, in, in your muscle. There's a whole lot more that you're capable of. But God wants you to start and be faithful with what you have right now. You might be strong enough to carry more, but you might not know how to carry it yet. And all of that gets proven in the test of small 
things. The motivation test is asking a question, are you doing the right thing for the right reason? I love this because I feel a lot of times in my own life, you get into rhythms where you're just doing. You're just doing the work of ministry. And the motivation test comes along and asks the question, really, why are you doing that? There's a lot of times as a pastor where I have, uh, I felt like there was no good reason really to just continue to do what I was doing in pastoring the church that I was pastoring. I'm just being honest with you. There have been times in my life where I've just thought about, man, I'm in Seattle, a bunch of heathens up here. I'm going to go to the south. I might, could have, I might could have a church twice the size if I just went to a different city. What am I? I did my time, God, in the heathen world. <laughs> Call one of the other guys up here for a little while. You know, you get, you get thinking that way. And especially when I was younger, I, I, would, I, would, I would think stupid thoughts about what I was doing and would assume sometimes, you know, that God, you know, God's calling me to Hawaii. I know he's calling me to Hawaii, especially on rainy days in Seattle. <laughs> and what's interesting to me, guys, is that that kind of funky thing in my life, whenever it was happening, typically I would get some sort, I would get a phone call from a pastor friend who would say, hey, there's a church open I didn't give them your name because I didn't know if you wanted me to say anything, but I immediately thought of you when they were telling me about, about this open church that needed a pastor, or I've gotten an email. It's, it's amazing to me looking back how at certain points, when I was at my lowest, when I didn't feel appreciated by the people like, uh, you know that, that thing like, you don't know how good you got it having me. <laughs> kind of stupid attitude, you know? Like, you, do you people not realize? And it was in those moments that, that, boom, a door would swing open. Or an opportunity would come. And looking back on that, as I'm talking to you even today and as I wrote the book, I just think a lot of times we think of things are just coincidence when actually God pulls all of that stuff away from us that we, you know, that would be the superficial reasons for being there or the things that make us feel good, like being appreciated or getting a thank you note or somebody actually saying how glad they are to have me on the team. Like, all of that's withdrawn, it seemed like, in certain seasons. And, and, and I, I, know, I know I'll go, I'll preach some of the best messages that I think I can possibly preach. And I'll do a whole series like that, and nobody sends me an email. 
And nobody says, wow, 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 amazing, Pastor Kevin. And I'm thinking, do they not know? Do they not appreciate what they have? And then I'll go into some other teaching or series that I'm thinking, oh, it's okay. And I get flooded with, oh, that's amazing. You know, who was somebody was talking about this morning? Don't trust your, your intuitiveness. I think it was Rick B. that. You know, you're not nearly as intuitive as you think. But the, the point I'm wanting to make is that, that sometimes when you're in those seasons of your life where you feel overlooked and where you feel like growth isn't happening and, and you're not seeing the crowd, you're not seeing the response, you're not seeing your youth ministry grow, your children's ministry grow, lots of people are complaining. Those are the times whenever it's highly likely that you're dealing with what we call the motivation test where it's not just about what you're doing, but it's about why you're doing it. Like, okay, Kevin, why are you here in the Northwest? Are you here so that people say thank you? Are you here so that you can see all these great things happen and results and growth and all of that? Or are you here because I called you here? Are you here because this is the plan that I have for your life? That's what a motivation test looks like. There's people in our churches, and you guys know this, they, they, a lot of times we get up, we talk about giving, for example, and people get bent out of shape, and they get upset, and, you know, they get, they, they get an attitude. We talk about offering or giving, and I, I always think to myself, you know what, if I can talk about something really biblical like that, and people get messed up, then I'm going to go look. I, I guarantee you they aren't giving. <laughs> I guarantee you they must not be tithing. Because the, 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 very, the very nerve of the things that are in our life that sometimes God is trying to correct are the very things we resist. Does that make sense to you today? Those, those are the very things that we resist. So as a team leader today, and some of you are dealing with that right now, I just want to encourage you, keep your, keep your motive right. Keep checking yourself on your motive. Keep doing what you're doing. Not because, not because you're getting appreciated, but because God called you there and God put you there. The wilderness test. Let's talk about that for a minute. The wilderness test asks the question, are you ready to make the change that progress requires of you? Because change is the constant companion of progress. Church is changing, isn't it? You guys notice that? The landscape of how we do church is changing and is different. And I'm so thankful to be a part of and be around people that are continuing to embrace change. But there's a lot of friends and people that I've known in ministry who wish that their church was doing better or their ministry was doing better, their department was doing better, and they're actually just in a wilderness season in their life right now. And they want things to be better, but they don't want to change what they're doing. Like couples have problems and they know they have problems in their marriage, but they don't want to see a counselor. We, that, that's how we are. That, that's human nature. We, we want to lose weight, but we do not want to exercise. And we want to keep on eating our Dorito chips right? 
And the question that the wilderness has, when you're going, if you're in a wilderness right now, if anybody's in a wilderness, anybody's going through it, just consider this maybe. Like it might, it might be, it just might be that the moment you embrace the change, that, that you will find the exit door out of the wilderness experience in your life. The very thing that you're resisting could be the very thing that when you accept and you say, okay, we're going to change that. And I, 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 I don't want to, but I'm going to change that. Could be the very door that opens up in your life to move you onto something bigger and something better in your future. Anybody like the wilderness? Anybody want to stay in the wilderness? Nobody. You think Israel wanted to stay in the wilderness? No. But they were stubborn. And I, I want to encourage you in your, in your own church, in your own ministry, ask yourself, is there something I can do differently? Is there something we can do differently? Because change is the constant companion of progress. I know that's just real practical or pragmatic, but, but I don't think we're, a lot of times we're like unaware that little things that we could do differently would actually bring about the results that God wants for our life. Is everybody doing good? Anybody got any questions? Starting to think of any questions. I'll keep talking until I know, because I got things I can talk about. It's only a test. It's only a test. Anybody been through a test? Anybody like me, you hate tests? I hate tests, but I'm going to count it all joy. Not because it feels good, but because something good's happening. Amen? Okay, authority test. The authority test. Do you respect and do you appreciate the authority God put in your life? And by the way, this test will not correct your attitude. It will only reveal your attitude. Well, Pastor Kevin, I had a bad authority. I know, I know there's bad authority figures. But we can't give up on the idea of authority. We can't stop valuing authority because in some instances, authority fails. We don't give up on marriage because we know of failed marriages. Hello. It's still God's plan, right? We don't give up on people because we know of people who have failed, right? So we can't give up on authority because authority has, in some instances, failed. Scripture teaches us that all authority is of God. All authority is of God. And so it will not, it will not correct, but it will reveal your attitude whenever you come 
I, I feel like I deal with the authority test more on the airplane than anywhere else. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. Okay. No, you cannot get up yet. <sighs> I got to go to the bathroom. Stay seated, sir. <sighs> okay. Five foot four, little gal walking around is the boss. And I'm sitting there in the chair. I remember a police officer stopped me one time and I had a friend pastor with me and it wasn't far from our main central campus. And I said, yes, sir, a whole lot. Yes, sir, yes, sir. We drove away and my friend said, why didn't you tell him who you were? <laughs> it's like, what does that have to do with it right now? Why, why, why would, but, but a lot of times when we, we, we're, it's our jurisdiction, right, in authority, and then we get into situations where we find ourselves with authority over us and we don't do well with it. And, and I don't know if any staff members are struggling with that or church members are struggling with that, but I promise you that if you'll respond in a positive way to authority in your life, and if you'll understand everybody is not your peer, if you'll continue to just lean in and honor the authority, honor up, honor down, honor all around, and respect authority and appreciate authority and support those who are in authority, God will bless you and God will promote you and God will do something good in your life. Amen? Amen. Questions? Q&A? Anybody? Can I do what? The offense? Leadership. Can I do the leadership? Lordship? Lordship, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's do the lordship test. And maybe I'll do the, uh, if we don't have questions, I've got about 10, 15 more minutes. I might do the offense one as well. So the Lordship test is this. Do you accept that God's way is always right? Do you accept that God's way is always right? Abraham takes his son, Isaac. Can you imagine the feeling that Abraham had when Isaac says, you know what, Dad? You know what? You're not going to believe this. Like, we got the wood and we got the match to start the fire. We forgot the sacrifice. Can you imagine a moment of surrender like that moment? That's, that's one of the best ways. I mean, out, 
outside of uh, outside of being reasonable, you get into lordship test as being what I would just call the unreasonable. Do we believe when it seems so unreasonable that God is always right? And I think the reason I added this when I put together the, 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 Lord, or the nine tests a few years ago is because I, I felt like that with the other eight tests, there would always be some kind of qualifying statement. But if you get to the lordship test, you get to a place where it's like, no, Jesus really, what he says goes, whether, I, whether it feels right or not, whether I like it or not, the lordship test is all about obedience. And I'm going to commit myself and submit myself to obey God for better and for worse, for richer and for poor, <laughs> in sickness and in health. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I, I think you'll probably hit a few of those times in your life, but I don't think it'll be often. I, I don't think that you'll be in the unreasonable dynamic of a real lordship test repeatedly in your life. I think you'll hit it occasionally in your life. I know for me, I, I try to say to our, our church family a lot, I try to say to them, you know, if, if everyone at our church were like you, what would our church be like? What kind of church would we have? And I just think sometimes asking ourselves, how surrendered am I? How committed am I? How far am I willing to go? Am I guilty of saying, well, they can and they should and they ought to and pastor will and they'll do it. And so sometimes I try to just put it out in front of everybody and say, let's just think about it like this. If, if we were all, if each and every one of us were like you, what kind of church would Jesus have? And obviously the, the thing I'm trying to do as a pastor is I'm trying to encourage surrender as not a negative thing, but as a positive thing. Because everybody knows that when Abraham drew the, all of you guys know, when he put, when he put his hand up in the air and the knife in the air, the angel of the Lord stopped him there. And you know what the angel said, basically? He said, you don't have to kill your son because now God knows. Now God knows. That's the lordship test. Now God, well, God knows my heart. I don't know. There's something about it, God. I'm not smart enough to explain all, but there's something about the proving ground. There's something about the question being on the table and you and I walking through the, the actual obedience of participation that is the final word called the proving ground in our life. And the angel said, now God knows that you don't even spare your son, that you are that obedient and that he is Lord and you're willing to go the distance in making him the Lord of your life. Now God knows. It's only a test. Only a test. Anybody going through some stuff right now? in your life where you're, you're, you're feeling like, man, this makes a little bit more sense to me. I've been trying to figure this out on my own. I need to look at it different. Good, thank you. Hands are going up around the room. I, 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 need, to, I need to, okay, good. 
Good. I just want to encourage you. I just want you can come on up the mic. I just want to encourage you, everybody that's in the room, not to just think about this in terms of one of these, but in fact, you can order like the book. We only had a few minutes, but if this is helpful or you want to share it with some of your leaders, um, a lot of our teams and churches around the country and the nation are, they go through this, but there, I think there's a slide. You can go, you can find it, Proving Ground 2.0, and you can order it. We didn't bring any books with us. Go ahead. I know you mentioned that we don't ever really get an alert when we're about to go into a test, yep. which, which stinks. But I think, you know, as I'm looking through these, sometimes I can imagine indicators that would pop up when I am in the middle of the test. Like, let's say um, the credibility test. Like, maybe I get a piece of information that I need to be trusted with, and I want to tell somebody so bad. But I know it's a test of my integrity, let's say. I don't know if you have thought through, and especially for me to teach this to our team, maybe some indicators that they, need, they can be aware of in that frustrating moment, in that storm, that uh, the indicator would, would show them, hey, this is an authority test when you're pushing up against someone above you. Or um, I, I don't know if yeah, you have I, thought through that or... or no, I, let, let, me, let me try to answer. That, you have just hit the nail on the head and gone to the, the real reason why this book was ever written and this teaching ever came about years ago um, for me is, is, is this right here. I, we don't have a heavenly announcement, but if we can become aware of this, then we, we help each other. Like that, that's the whole goal in just sharing with you today is that I hope some of you are, are, are willing to say to some, some of the people around you in the days to come, hey, remember, this is only a test. Like, the, the, don't think something strange is going, th this is only a test. So really the, the, the idea in all of this is raising awareness, raising awareness, raising awareness, raise, count it all joy, raise awareness, raise awareness, consider it a blessing, raise awareness, raise, oh, it could be the offense test, it could be the authority test, it could be, so, so that's the idea in actually talking about there not being an alarm is maybe we can be the alarm and maybe we can help one another. Go ahead. Pastor Kevin, um, I love this book and we just did this series actually in our church uh, in Dallas. So it's been a ah, huge, thank you. huge blessing to us. Um, one of the things you talked about in your book was uh, the different credibility areas and you talked about competence uh, a lot, like the, the competence of, or credibility of competence. Yeah. And you talked about how um, competence is a never-ending thing that you have to learn and grow in. Yep. And um, so I'm curious, as you've grown older, maybe not specifically in a spiritual area, but in other areas, how have you grown that competence? One of the areas is like with our city right now uh, that we're in. I, I'm feeling like I'm not completely competent with like the dynamics of our city. So I'm trying to grow in that area and it spoke to me in the area of life that I'm in right now of trying to gain more knowledge and trying to gain more credibility within, with our city leaders and with our city officials. Is that, is that making sense? So yep. how have you grown, just not even in a spiritual sense, but with the credibility in your city uh, as you've kind of walked through these tests? Because I feel like that's a test to reach the city that you're in as well. Well, I, I, can, I can assure you of this, is that in your own eyes, that if you ever stop feeling that way, then you're setting yourself up because for, for failure, 
because that's when success fails. The idea that you're actually not feeling big enough, good enough, smart enough, capable enough, isn't your enemy, that's actually your friend. So when I talk about the credibility test, I think is the one that you're referring to. There's, there's a competence there that through time, your competence come, there's a character issue there. Um, and, and so developing your competences, I, I talk about a musician in the book, you know, learning how to play the keyboards, of course your credibility goes up as a musician. So you learning how to be a leader, you learning how to be a better speaker, you learning how to be a better communicator, you learning all, is absolutely something that I hope you aspire to and continue to want to do. But you will always hopefully feel in your own heart that you cannot be good enough to do what actually needs to be done in your city. And that's where the God factor comes in. Does that help? Okay. Thank you, by the way. Good to see you. Um, I feel like I am under the motivation test. And uh, this is a personal question. I'm dealing with the frustration. Um, being, I have been called to move over to the west. I live in now in the southeast. Yep. And um, this, this old friend of mine, he's called me to move out there and help me plant a church. And a lot of people know him now. I know him personally. And there's people in my life telling me to not go over there or it's a bad idea. But I wholeheartedly believe that God has called me to go over there at, but at the same time, people are telling me that it's not a good idea. So I'm at the point of, okay, God, what, what is it that you're trying to tell me? Okay, so, so fantastic. Motivation test is great, but you probably want to refer to authority test as well. And just remember the story of David, okay? David and Saul. And make sure in your mind that you're willing to submit yourself, and I don't know who's telling you that you're not supposed to go, but if it's a pastor, then I would, I would encourage you to rethink it. Pause, hit the pause button. Put it in the hands of God and have a confidence in a season like that, that God, if God is calling you to go, that God will honor the, the, the submissiveness of your own heart. If it's just people, then that's a whole nother story. But if it's leaders in your life, pastors in your life, it's worth continuing to consider and talk and, and don't jump the gun. That's what I would say. Don't move out from under the covering that God's put in your life. Okay? All right. Thank you. Yep. My favorite Washington pastor, yes. Um, I've never heard you talk about this when you've done this teaching, but I think... Oftentimes we think we can skip the test, at least I'm wired that way, where I feel like, oh, that test doesn't apply to me, or I'm done with that test, or how can I get there without having to do that? <laughs> and I think it robs leaders the potential that they have because there's a good product, but it never makes it to the shelf because you miss it. What would you say to people who feel like, mm, the small things test, I'll do the rest of them, but not the small things test, or... I'll do all of them except the offense test because I think I can still lead and still be offended. And I don't think you ever really address that, but I just think for the sake of just knowing how I'm wired and 
knowing I've done all these tests a million times and I feel like I'm done with that test already? Yep. Can you speak to someone who wants to try to keep going without addressing the issue? Let, let me try. That's an amazing question. I don't know if I can answer it, especially in three minutes, but... Yeah, where were you 10 minutes ago? I was asking for questions. <laughs> but, 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 but let me try. Let me try. How many of you agree that's a great question? Like, like here, here's what I would say is that I don't and you don't pick the test. Okay? So I don't go around looking for one. <laughs> and I don't, I don't suggest anybody else does. Like, if you only got five, like, and you ain't had the six, seven, eight, nine, great. Just keep on going on with your bad self, and don't worry about not having the other four. Because they, you don't pick them, they pick you. But it is my belief that all nine of them are going to come along the way. And in fact, I, I believe they come at different levels. Like, I, I repeat the lordship test over and again. I repeat the wilderness test over and it just seems like it's at a whole different level. You know, I used to, I used to have the wilderness test elementary level. Now I got it college level. So <laughs> isn't that encouraging? <laughs> just keep it up. But I, 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 I do, I do think that the idea that I will skip it is a bogus idea. And it's, it's not something that is even feasible or possible if you really want to get where God wants you to go. You, you will absolutely, to get, where, to get where you want to go in your heart and God wants you to go, there, there's a path you're going to have to walk and you're not going to be able to predict. Like David, David didn't know when he got up that morning and went to the battlefield that Goliath was going to step out. He, had no, he was going serving food to his brothers. And then he hears the, the roar of a giant. That's what a test is like. You don't get up in the morning and go, yeah, I'm going to have a giant in my life today. It doesn't happen like that. You get out there, you do what you're doing, and then boom, a giant appears, a giant of adversity in your life. And, that, and that's what a test is, is really like. Um, so I don't know if that helps or the way to explain it, but I, I do think that assuming you don't have to go through something that God says you have to go through is absolutely naive and is not going to have, you will bump your head. You will not get any further there. You will not do what God wants you to do without going through that season of testing in your life. And my hope for you is that when you see it, that you'll be able to not view it just as a problem. That it's not just a, it is an opportunity. Everybody say opportunity. opportunity. Come on, say it again, opportunity. opportunity. It's an opportunity that God has put in your life. Just keep passing the test and you'll keep getting the promotion.